We can talk about anything you want as Jay is ignorant. Hey, welcome to Jay Flaunts Ignorance. This is an experiment that we're doing. This audio format is very different from the other episodes. What we have here is uh, Chris and I went into the backyard and did what we do every day, which is spend an hour running the dogs around in the backyard. There's four dogs and a bunch of land, and we run them around back there every day. Um, So instead of going into the studio with some fancy microphones and trying to have good audio quality, we just put on lapel mics and went in the backyard. So uh, if this format isn't your cup of tea, that's totally understandable. I do not blame you. You can just go into the feed for this podcast and skip all the episodes that start with backyard and a number. Uh, If you enjoyed the episode, great um, there's lots of dog noise, lots of dog chasing noise, lots of loud noises. Um, <laughs> the audio quality is pretty bad. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Oh, in this episode, what we eventually get around to is talking about another an episode of a different podcast. This podcast is called the 80,000 Hours Podcast. And the specific episode of that podcast came out on September 8th, 2022. And the title is... Andreas Morgensen, Morgensen, on whether effective altruism is just for consequentialists. So that's a two-hour episode that I really think you should go check out. It's a very interesting conversation. And again, the podcast is 80,000 Hours. And the episode, Andreas Morgensen, on whether effective altruism is just for consequentialists. And the specific portion of that that I <clears throat> posed... Uh, to Chris um, was about large number skepticism. So in that episode of that podcast at one hour and 21 minutes, he interviewer asks, you can get the full transcript online. First to help get people to care about this issue at all. Can you lay out the electrocution at the world cup final thought experiment, Uh, world cup final thought experiment. So, if you scroll through a few minutes of dog noise, <laughs> you will eventually find where I pose this question from this much better podcast than my podcast. Uh, I pose this question to Chris and we talk about it. So that is the topic of this upcoming episode. So I hope you enjoy this format and you can grab the link to that other better podcast in the show notes for this episode of this podcast. Thanks. All right. So it doesn't hurt to have them. Let's on. do a three, two, one. So I can find the two tracks and sync them up. We need to have one of those right. movie things. Yeah, those clappers. <laughs> oh, Missy, what are you doing? Get, Missy, come here. And I lost Kiwi already. Where'd he go? Oh, there he is. What do you think of Alex's haircut? Oh, he's such a handsome boy. <laughs> Look at him. He, he looks so skinny now. <laughs> See, he starts to get all his hair back, and we think, oh my God, he needs to lose weight. <laughs> and then we get his haircut again, and we're like, we were just talking about yesterday how he needs to lose weight. But... I was worried about dude. I thought he was dead. Because I couldn't, I, I thought he wasn't home this morning. Well, I'll tell you one thing if you knocked on our door at the morning, it would be deafening in our well, house. And, I, I Not only do I knock on the door, I <laughs> open the door and I call for him, like loud. <laughs> Are you deaf, dude? And twice he didn't come. So so Brian said that he's home. I'm like, okay. So this afternoon, I'm like, oh shit, he's been alone all day. So I knock again and I call into the house and nothing. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit. And then I see him. I see his furry head next to the couch like he's on the floor on next to the couch and i'm like oh crap dude's dead Alex. so i started to go in the house and suddenly he wakes up he like startles awake at 3 p.m <laughs> i'm like what the fuck? <laughs> how can you startle awake at 3 p.m <laughs> But yeah, he was just dead asleep again. So I don't know if he had an accident in the house today or not. But you ready, Ox? You ready, buddy? You gonna get it? You gonna get it, buddy? You ready? 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 Go get it! 
Alex, what happened? What's Did Missy up? get it? No, no one got it. Alex, are you tired already, man? Nobody got it. Let's go get it, Alex. Good boy. That's a good boy. Yeah. So Alex has always been, like, deathly afraid of car rides. So when we have to go somewhere, he usually gets in the back floorboard and lays down because he's scared. Now, we don't really know what caused it. We think it's, like, loud motorcycles when he was younger or something. I don't know. But today was when I picked him up. He wrote, He got up in the front seat, which he never does, and had his head out the window the whole time. Except for a little bit, didn't you? <laughs> but, like, he he never does that. So I don't I don't know if he's turning over a new leaf. With the new haircut, he looks so much cleaner, like he's sleeker. Yeah. yeah. He gets all fuzzy, and he looks like he's dirtier. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, when he's all fuzzy, I think he really looks like a pretty dog when we give him bass and stuff. But you're right. I mean, he... he Especially recently, he's had some of those little sticker things, like at least where his ball sack would have been at one point. <laughs> All right, so I've got a uh, ethical philosophy thing for you. You ready? Go for it. So one of the scenarios in this podcast that I listened to, two hours of uh, philosophy and population ethics is like a sub-study of philosophy. Yeah. So one of the questions or one of the you know ongoing debates or whatever in population ethics is imagine that there's a guy and the world cup is the largest sports event on the planet right the soccer world cup football right Mm -hmm. so imagine there's a guy and he's trapped in the electrical uh of the uh world series or not world series world cup He's trapped in the electrical subcomponents of the World Cup. Like, uh, and if you, like, like in one of the broadcast areas or whatever. And the way to save his life is you have to shut down the World Cup. Or you can just do nothing and he'll be electrocuted, but the, no one watching the World Cup will ever know, you know, if yeah. you don't tell him. So the question is, is it worth letting the guy die so that you don't interrupt the 300 million people that watch the World Cup. So that's that's the first question. So what do you think? What do I think? Well, yeah, what do you think? Do you let oh, the guy die or sh- do you interrupt the... You shut the game down, hands down. Yeah. So then the question is, well, what if a billion people were watching the World Cup? Oh, it doesn't... I don't, I and it's still care. one guy. I, I would say, I mean, to me it's not even about postponing it either. If we had to, like, completely cancel it and never have the event, whether it's the Super Bowl, whether it's whatever, I'd say shut it down and save his life. Yeah. Or her life. So is there any number of people, and you already answered this, for which a small inconvenience and a small lack of happiness offsets a guy getting electrocuted to death? And the... uh, the answer for me is also no. There's no number of people you can't just cancel the thing to to save the one guy. Yeah. But one of the many explanations of why some people feel that way about that scenario is that I discount the value of sports. So I don't give a shit about spectator sports, right? <laughs> so to me, it's a no-brainer that if what you're talking about is, is a sporting venue or a sporting event, then... The correct answer is always ethically to cancel the event if you can save someone's life by doing so. Well, so yeah, go ahead. I, I wasn't even looking at it from that standpoint. I do realize that people do that, no matter what it is. The event, I, I cannot see any justification for allowing it. And and what I mean by that is is that I would, but I wasn't considering it just like a sporting event, right? Like, in the sense that some people are depending on this for their livelihood and their jobs. And, Alex, quit it. And some of them are already paid for advertising, right? It's not just a sporting event, no matter how you shake it. 
I don't care if those people, I, I mean, you should do what's right legally, those people, if they already receive money for advertising or whatever. I, I think that those companies should do what's right and maybe refund the money or reschedule the event or whatever it is. But there is no justification to me, no matter how mu- how important entertainment is <laughs> for that sort of behavior. Right. So a counter-argument to that that's often raised is, well, the fact is that when you build these big stadiums for events like this to be held, people die building the stadium. And when you hold big events like this, people die getting to the event and car accidents and stuff. Yeah. So if you're the organizer of the thing and you know that to build the stadium, a couple of people are going to die or 30 depending on where the stadium is being built. And if you know that by holding the event, people are all going to get in their cars and try to come to the event, and at least one of them is probably going to die on their way to that stadium for that one event, how is that different? Well, I think it's pretty severely different. You don't think it's different? Well, I don't know. I'm asking you if you oh, think it's well, different. Well, so like... I, I already listened to the podcast, so I'm cheating. I spent two hours with this material already. already. <laughs> <laughs> and these, <laughs> so I've already heard it framed from like 15, 16 different angles. So, yeah, yeah. When when I'm when I'm done surprising you with the uh, material, then I can go into what I think. I guess. Well, I, I think that those things are completely different, and and maybe something that's close to home to me is um, there's always a judgment between safety and what. A purpose, a purposes. They're kind of being pretty loud, huh? Safety and what? Uh, there's a judgment call between what, uh, between safety and what an object's purpose is, no matter what the object or event is, right? So, in in my line of work, you know, railroading and signal design, we could always make the trains and the tracks safer by saying we're going to limit the speed to 20 miles per hour. And and Alex and someone in effect that wants to do 70 because it's more efficient is in effect making a judgment call that is more dangerous but possibly more profitable, right? And and likewise with ships and things that the famous quote that I've always heard is ships are always safe in a harbor, but that's not what ships are for. Right. I guess I kind of look at sporting events like they're part of everyone's life in the sense that a, an individual life, we want to keep it as safe as possible, but being safe isn't the objective and purpose of life itself. Would you agree with that? Like, I, I think having the opposite view that safety is the purpose. So this is what always happens. We start talking and then they do stuff we don't want them to do. <laughs> what are they doing we don't want them to do? They're burning energy. That's my only goal. <laughs> oh, yeah, well. Burn energy, dogs, so you leave me alone so I can go back to work. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess uh, it'd be nice if they would burn energy off of uh, more uh, indestructible toys, but either way. <laughs> well, so why, so if it's, if it's absolutely wrong to let this guy get electrocuted, then why is it that all your trains shouldn't run at 20 miles an hour if you can save 100 lives? Well, because we go through the efforts to save and make it as safe as possible. and But it's not as safe as possible. If you went at 20 miles an hour, it'd be safer. Yeah, but that's not what trains are for. I mean, people want or need their goods, you know, and things like that. Well, but why so, is that different from the, the so scenario? It, I think it's different in multiple ways. For one thing, we're preventing an accident. We should, in fact, if, if someone was, like, out there... Uh, on an intersection and 
the same scenario occurs that we need supplies to get this game going and if we stop this train the soccer game can't happen but there is somebody that's stuck on the railroad tracks and we know they're stuck on the railroad tracks do we tell the train to just plow through the car and go do it like do we objectively say we're going to make this person a sacrifice for this event or do we say we're going to stop and and the game just can't happen because we can't get their supplies but aren't you doing that every time you drive a train more than 20 miles an hour well anytime you drive a train period right 20 was arbitrary yeah the faster the more dangerous it is but the more time efficient it is to get the materials from point a to point b yeah and um, maybe to some extent this doesn't apply to trains, but it certainly would ap- apply to helicopters. You know, the slower they go, the more safe they are. But some people need to have a heart transplant. So in order to save their life, trains need to be, or helicopters need to be allowed to go faster. So I, I think that with going over 20 miles per hour, for example... It is a it's a judgment call about how safe the system can be, and even though statistically we know it's more dangerous, we know that it is still within our manageable constraints to do above twenty, right? Like manageable constraints meaning you definitely won't kill a thousand people. You'll only kill two hundred people this year. Well, not necessarily kill. I don't know if killing's the right word. I mean, you're not saying we're going to sacrifice these people because we know it's going to happen. We're saying there's an increased risk and we can manage that risk. Yeah. So, so one of the conversations in the podcast is it's about the unknowns versus the certainties. Mm -hmm. And that's the ethical hinge upon which we make these decisions and things feel right. And some things feel wrong. And so the fact that you know for sure this one guy is definitely going to die, that's what makes it different from, oh, well, we're going to hold an event and 120,000 people are going to come here by car and probably two of them are going to die, but we don't know which two. And we're not directly causing those two specific people to specifically die. We just know that two people will probably die coming here, and that's why it's different. I, I think there's a difference between literally killing somebody in order to achieve your goals. Oh, well, and, I mean, we're not killing them. The, the electricity random, is killing them, right? <laughs> yeah. And the random <laughs> events that occur that are outside of our control. Uh-huh. I mean, a, an airplane could land on either one of our houses any day. Uh-huh. And that's, I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> that's a real thing that could happen, right? They literally fly over our houses. Right. <laughs> and, um, in a way, somebody somewhere, even the pilot himself, is saying, I can fly over these houses because I can manage this risk. Yeah. And that's the same thing that I'm trying to say is that there is a possibility that an accident could happen. Yeah, so it sounds to me like what you're saying is, look, people die every day. Accidents happen every day. You can't shut down all of life. Some people are going to die doing stuff like driving or riding motorcycles or whatever. That's just the way it is, and they take on those risks or they don't. It's their choice to take those risks or not, right? Yeah. So I hear you saying that, and that sounds fine to me as an argument. So a certain number of people are going to die because we choose to do all these things, which we know kill people, and we're going to try to minimize it, and we'll try to get it down, and we'll you know force people to wear seatbelts if that saves 60,000 lives this year or whatever. And that's all fine. So what does this one guy matter compared to 80 million people getting to do what they want to do? And my, what I think is in your head is that it's the specificity of knowing that that person will die and it's that individual and they are definitely going to die and we could stop that one person from dying. It's that knowing that's different from just holding the event and we know statistically probably two people are going to die but we didn't specifically cause it and we don't know who it's going to be. Do you think that's valid? Yeah, is that I mean, what's statistically is that the difference? It could be dying. Ethically? But there could be nobody that dies as well. Oh, correct. Or it could be four people. Yeah. Y- yeah, and 
Um, or you're getting everybody together for a big terrorist attack and 60,000 right. people die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean... The, yeah, a fire could break out. There could be, a, you know, whatever. It could, yeah, all kinds it, of shit. Yeah, I, I guess it's not really the fact... It, it, it's the fact that making the choice... I, in the other cases, it's letting the consequences of the world take place, right? But that is not that. That is... The consequences of the world, yes, but there's an additive thing that is under my control, which is I can choose to stop this and save his life, or I can basically offer him as a sacrifice and let him die so we can watch this game. And and that choice right there is the one that I think is immoral. Yeah, because it's a specific individual where you specifically know this is the guy that's definitely going to die. Well, it's not the specific individual. It's the fact that I'm designating someone as a sacrificial animal. Do you know where Huey went? Yeah, he's right here. Uh, Alex! Where you at, Alex? Why are you tired, buddy? You ready, buddy? You ready? You ready? Come on. Get your toy. Let's go. Well, I mean, what? What is there a difference for you? Or do you think all trains should go 20 and we shouldn't have planes flying overhead? Or... No, I think instinctively, my first answer to the question was that, well, of course you should cancel the event. I mean, fuck that. It's a sport. You know, who cares? People will get over it. They'll, they'll watch something else. Who gives a shit? You can't kill this guy, obviously, right? That was my first instinct, is there's no number of people in a multiverse of people that we're going to enjoy. It doesn't matter if there were 100 trillion Alex, people that we're all going to enjoy that game a lot. Yeah. You can't kill one on. guy. Let's go get it. Buddy. The hundreds of trillions of people can go suck it. That was my instinctual response. And the more I'm listening to it, I don't know that that's correct. I don't know that that actually fits my instinctive response to that. I think is just because my emotional brain isn't wrapping its head around the problem correctly. And if I actually cared about that one guy, then I would have to also cancel the event because probably two people are going to die getting there. And I probably never should have built the stadium in the first place because building the stadium probably killed a couple of five construction workers or whatever. Yeah. Depending on what country we're in and what year we're talking about in the construction. So I, I can't, on further reflection, like when I first listened to the thing, I'm like, Alex. yeah, of course there's no number of people. Hey, buddy. <clears throat> Come here, for me, it's it's also partly the nature of the event, like in uh, an entertainment event versus like a presidential inauguration or something. Or if the event is, you know, a UN peace summit yeah. where maybe they're going to broker peace between the Ukraine and Russia somehow and save tens of thousands of lives or whatever, then I think my answer starts shifting. Like if... Killing a guy can maybe stop thousands of other people from dying in a war. Then my immediate instinct on that is, oh, maybe that's okay in that case. Because thousands of people are already dying. Tens of thousands of more people are going to die. And if one guy has to be the sacrificial lamb, as you put it, then that's okay. Because I'm trying to save tens of thousands of lives here. So in the UN meeting, and you know somebody's about to die in an electrical thing and... It's either the meeting or saving his life. You would, you would allow it to happen. My my instinct is torn out of the gate. Whereas at a sporting event, my instinct is not torn. It's clearly we saved this dude. Yeah. So I think that's interesting in my brain that my instincts are so different. But the follow-up part of the sporting event scenario, even where I don't care, give a shit about the event, even though I know eight trillion people in several multiverses do care. I don't give a shit about them caring, even though there's 80 trillion of them. Yeah. All I care about is this one guy whose life I can save. So part of that effect is, uh, it's called the, uh, uh, something of big numbers or something. I can't remember. There's a, the population ethics term for it is the something of big numbers. Um, all this is well studied, right? Like this guy's talking for two hours and all, all he's doing is saying, well, Alex, you know, Here's the history of hundreds of years that we've been asking these same questions of each other. 
And here's what everyone has said from every possible angle about it, right? So I'm listening to, <laughs> I'm listening to the back catalog of all philo- philosophical and ethical thought about this entire, uh, you know, universe of questioning. But Come the on. more I dwelled on my instinctual response that for the sporting event example, it did not matter. Here. The more I realized, I think I realized, or maybe I'm wrong, the more I realized that that's completely inconsistent of me because I don't cancel the event to save two people that are going to drive there. Because I can't logically figure out what the difference is between canceling the event, which is probably going to save two people, I don't know which two people, versus canceling the event to save this one guy when I definitely know it's the one guy. Like if two people are going to die attending the event, it's twice as good that I canceled it out of the gate, which is counterintuitive. So I I don't know the resolution in my own head of that. So I went from, on the sporting event example, I went from, of course you saved the one guy, fuck sports, sports are stupid. Oh, shit. Oh, that's not good. Dude, hey, Huey, come. Come back. I had a feeling I should step on that cable. Hey. You come, so dude comes. Come on, dude. Dude. Hey. Dude. Missy. Alex. Ah. Dude, what are you doing? No. You ready, dude? You ready, buddy? Come on, let's go. Come on, buddy. Come on, buddy, let's go. Good boy. Come on, this way. Hey, hey, hey. Good boy, dude. You did it. Kind of. Go on. Go. Yeah, it doesn't shake out, buddy. That's why you shouldn't go in the woods. <laughs> so where did we leave off at? You're saying uh, it's hard to kind of define the difference between the sporting event and something else that's more important to you, at least? Uh, so I was trying to express that One, my initial instinct on the sporting event became unclear in my mind that that's actually the right answer. That I think that's the right answer. Uh, Yeah. So, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if... If I know I can save two people by canceling the event, why isn't that twice as bad as saving? As not as choosing to not save the guy. Well, who's going to get electrocuted? Well, maybe we could talk about something that's kind of really happened that uh, maybe is a little bit more controversial that I probably has probably too strong uh, opinions about. <clears throat> like I said, probably twice there, but <clears throat> the. Uh, the thing in Britain where the um, environmental people were laying on the bridge. And uh, did you hear this story? No. So they were laying on the bridge in the road in protest for, they, they think that we should just end all oil production period. That's it. End of story, I guess. I forget what the name of the organization's called. But anyways, they were laying on the bridge, but there was a medical emergency where there were two, where there was a big crash, and two people needed to be transported with an ambulance to the nearest hospital. And the closest way was across that bridge. And because they wouldn't get off the bridge, two people died. So they're out there protesting the bridge, um, on the bridge, and because of their protest, two people died. And now I don't know if they were technically or consciously making that decision. Like, I'm going to lay here in front of this ambulance no matter what happens. Well, was the ambulance even able to get to the protest or was it not even able to get there because the protest was blocking all the traffic? Where's your toy, buddy? Where's your toy? Go get it. What's that? Was the ambulance not even able to get to the area because the bridge was blocked so all the traffic was backed up? Or did the ambulance actually get to the protesters and the protesters specifically chose not to let the specific ambulance through? Oh, I don't, I, that was actually something, a detail that I don't know. 
because if the protesters didn't even know there was an ambulance because the ambulance couldn't get there because the road's blocked, so, like, the traffic's backed up, yeah. then they the protesters weren't making a choice about whether or not to let the ambulance through. So. Well, if they didn't know, I would say that that's probably one of the biggest points of neglect that anybody trying to get them off the bridge would have, like, left off. Like, I, I would think that at a minimum somebody would say, will you get off the bridge? So we can let this ambulance pass, and that's it. You know, we can even hold up the rest of the traffic. I don't even care. But to not even mention that to the protesters would be reckless on the part of police that were kind of working the issue. I'd say. Well, if they even knew that it was happening, right? Like, they could have yeah. tried to reroute around the area miles away. Yeah. I, I don't know. So where I kind of think, so since I don't know about the... Uh, protesters 100 percent i would say that the local police department did know that they were protesting in this way and they did know that this was a critical route that ambulance needs to take i do think it was immoral for them to not clear the bridge now i don't think that they should have used lethal force to clear the bridge but i think that they should not have been allowed to protest on the bridge in which they did and they should have been forced off one way or another but non-lethal. Yeah. When you I say one way or another. Shot, you... Like we should have pepper sprayed them to get them off the bridge or used fire hoses. I don't care. But they should have been forced to get off the bridge. And I think that that was a moral choice. The police in that case and the people that didn't make the right choice to get them off the bridge, in my opinion, are the same people that would choose to go ahead with the soccer game instead of saving the guy's life. Alex. So. <clears throat> Alex, you're being a bad boy. Hey, Alex, hey, come here, buddy. Why are you running off like this, buddy? Don't you want to play? Is it because everybody keeps stealing your toys? So is blocking a transportation route ever acceptable as a form of protest, or is it never acceptable because there's a potential that emergency life-saving or whatever might need it? Well, I think that once they knew, I think that the, I think that the critical routes for the safety of a society are just off bounds for protesting like that. <laughs> you, you can't, to me, that means that the protesting is more important than people's lives directly, no matter what the risk. And I, I think that that's an unacceptable risk. I think they're morally culpable for choosing that place as a protester. Well, so if you're going to protest... Either from negligence or from blatant disregard for the life of others. So if you're going to protest something, if you protest a cul-de-sac, nobody cares, and your protest has no effect, right? Uh, it's not necessarily the fact that it's the cul-de-sac. It's the fact that you're protesting a like in a critical route in a way, in such a way that you're trying to disrupt people's lives like that. Well, that right. They're doing dangerous. that on purpose. You know that, right? What's that? Yeah, and they're, they're doing that on purpose. That's why I think it was immoral and the wrong decision. And So what about the thing that they're protesting? What if that is a travesty of justice that's been going on for a long time and has been hurting thousands or hundreds of thousands of people or whatever? Well, I don't think that they have a right to offer somebody as a sacrifice, even if it is a random person that needs access to that route. Well, what, I, what I'm worried about is that you might be laying out a framework where the only protests you can ever do are ones that will have no impact and nobody will ever care. And that's the only moral kind of protesting you can do is protests that won't have any effect because they're not accomplishing anything that anyone cares about. Well, I do think that that is situational, but I do pretty much agree that that's the way it should be. Okay, so if there's an evil empire and they're controlling the universe and you're going to have an uprising because no amount of diplomacy has ever gotten you what you need in terms of redress with the, with the political structure... It's very easy for the evil empire to say, oh, well, yeah, but you can't block anything that might be important because you're 
killing people that might need emergency medical whatever, right? Well, an evil empire would do that anyway, uh-huh. regardless of whether it was moral or not. Yeah, but the, the question I'm trying to figure out is when do you think it's appropriate to disrupt society in order to make the point because all your attempts at making the point politically have failed? Well, I do think that there is a time and a place to raise the level of something beyond a protest. I guess what I'm saying is always immoral is asking somebody else to pay the price. You know what, if that makes any sense? So, <clears throat> yeah. like, if, if, if you're doing something I don't like, I can't, it would be immoral for me to go grab Steph or anybody that you care about, even, even Kelly, or maybe I shouldn't be using names here, <laughs> and, and drag them out here and, and punch them in the face until you comply, right? Uh-huh. Like punching somebody that's indirectly involved uh, to, in order to get you to do what I want is not fair to the person being punched. What, what I'm saying here is that what they're trying to do as far as a protest it goes is they're trying to say, I'm going to punish these random people over here in order to get my point across to this other group of people over here. And one, I don't think that's an effective way to get your point across. And two is I, I think that it's immoral to kind of do it that way. And, and the same goes really for any aspect of our political involvement. You know, if, if politician A is doing something, me, taking, me trying to protest by disrupting mass population B is not right or moral, I don't think. Um, yeah, so if you disagree with what a legislature or a judge has done or whatever, protesting in front of their house is okay because you're targeting the people with which you disagree, but blocking a major street in the downtown area is not okay in all cases. Is that maybe what you're saying? Uh, I'm not saying like a, just a critical route. I mean, what I'm trying to say is, is that So there's, there's definitely lines to be drawn, and we could definitely come up with all the situations that we want. Somebody that's doing something that you disagree with doesn't give you the right to disrupt their life, even if they are the direct person that's involved, which would cover the whole instance with protesting at a judge's house because they make a ruling that you don't like. Um, in, in that regard, we just have a bunch of fearful judges not wanting to piss any group of 10 or more people off. <laughs> and in the other cases, I just think that, um, I, I just don't think that we have a right to disrupt people unrelated to the cause that you're pursuing um, or implement any cost that you want onto those people because you were trying to prove a point and hold those critical things as ransom in or until you get your thing that you want. I mean, that's. Okay. So if I'm being held in slavery on a cotton plantation in the South, it's ethically justified for me to disrupt the life of the slave master, but not ethically justified to disrupt the lives of the people in the nearby town that is buying a lot of the cotton and moving it wherever well how would the second alternative even be effective I don't know (laughs) but um, I mean I I guess it'd be interesting to see like follow the steps from every step on out for them confronting the slave owner I certainly think that uh, the phrase slave owner is not very clear in this case <laughs> but no, I'm talking about 1830s literal cotton slave cotton plantation slavery in the south in America is what oh, I was oh, well I guess what I was, I was trying, trying to pull say. the most stark yeah. example I could think of, of of trying to understand the ethical framework you put on the 
I guess what I was trying to say protests. was is that one reason why people couldn't free the slaves that they quote unquote owned was not because they owned them didn't own them directly, but because they were held as lien against a loan and therefore the bank owned them. So they couldn't just magically wave a wand and say, Yeah, I'm freeing you because then there would be legal consequences. So what I'm trying to say is is that when you say owner, are you saying the bank that just won't forgive the debt or the owner that would be legally liable and possibly thrown in jail if he just magically waved his hand and said, yeah, you're free to go. I mean, it, to me, it's something that we today kind of hand wavily say as a, oh, this is the moral answer. <laughs> he should have just freed him, whatever. Um, but it's kind of hard for us to make those judgments today. Is it? <laughs> is that I, I hard? So. I mean... <laughs> it seems real simple to me. <laughs> I, I mean, some people probably would, you know, just through it like, uh, you know, volunteer to go to jail. But that may that might not be the best option for everybody involved because the person that's a slave would you'd be thrown in jail, and the person that's a slave is still a slave and could possibly go to somebody that's a piece of crap slave owner. Whereas I, I'm legitimately want to free them um, because I legitimately care about them. <laughs> All right. Well, which is a, a legitimate battle, mental battle that people fought. So I, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to open the entire slavery can of worms. What I was trying to do is understand your ethical framework in terms of when is demonstration and disruption a legitimate form of communicating grievance when all other forms of attempting to communicate grievance have failed. So I was trying to, I thought that earlier you were saying that targeting the oppressors was okay, but targeting some kind of major thoroughfare, like the bridge example in wherever you said England, was not okay. So I was trying to figure out if that's what you were saying or not. And I don't know if you're saying either one of those things. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't think that those things are actually easy questions. Even I'm not even trying to say that the electrocution of the dude is like an easy question. Oh, either. you're backing all the way up to the beginning of the conversation. <laughs> Wait, well, I mean, I, I don't want to be all hand wavy either and say well, no, you, oh, you, all you of these are the, easy answers. You brought up the, where was it, England, London? Where was it? Where was the bridge blocked? Yeah, England, I think. Okay, in England somewhere. Britain, they blocked somewhere. a bridge, and you're saying that the protesters were morally culpable for the fact that two people died because they couldn't get to the hospital, right? That's what you said. Yeah. Okay. So I, I was trying to understand the edges of when you think, if you think, that it's ever justified to disrupt uh, civic functions uh, for the purposes of trying to make your point when you've been ignored through all the calmer versions of uh, trying to make your point. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think there's a time and a place to, you know, elevate things. Right. I and just, uh, so, I just don't know if it's right to uh, the elevate time and the people. place. Right. So my concern is that you would say that it's okay as long as it doesn't disrupt anything. And my point was, well, the whole point of protesting in that manner is to disrupt things. So you get attention, and you're, you actually make something happen. So like when I was traveling in Indonesia, we got, we were supposed to be going to our boat uh, and the road was blocked and I don't speak whatever language they speak in Indonesia. And so our guy got out and tried to figure out, well, what the hell is going on? And it turns out that the local citizens had all blocked the road to block all the commerce because it's only by blocking commerce that they could have the attention of the politicians whose tax dollars they pay for their salaries right do anything about any of the grievances that they have whatever those grievances are i don't even know what the grievances were in indonesia so anyway here we are a bunch of foreigners that have nothing to do with the local indonesian government we you know i don't know who these people are i don't know what they're you know nothing and we were like well can't you let us go through because we have nothing to do with this like we're not <laughs> we're not hauling goods from point a to point b so we can give kickbacks to this politician that you're mad at 
we have nothing to do with this and he's not going to get any money either way, whether you let us through or not. And the answer was no, that we couldn't go through the barricade because they're blocking all traffic specifically to inconvenience everyone <laughs> to get their point across. Yeah. And this apparently has been the way the government has worked over there when, when I was there years ago for, you know, 15 or so years. This is the only way they can get the their local representatives to do freaking anything, right? They have yeah. to do this when shit gets bad enough that they have to do it. They have to disrupt a lot of shit. Yeah. Would that include ambulances? I don't know. Um, would they let an ambulance through? I don't know. But the, the point of the protest and the methodology they were using was disruptive on purpose, right? Yeah. And that's why Westboro Baptist Church goes to funerals and, you know, puts up all those signs that everybody hates and makes everyone insanely mad at them because gay people are going to hell and all that stuff because that's what get, gets attention, right? They're doing that intentionally because... They believe that these people are going to hell and they're going to get fixed. They're, they're going to be saved by being told that. Like, they're, they're ill-informed. They don't know what's going on. And they need to know, right? And so yeah. they intentionally go to funerals to make people pay attention to them, right? So, like, that's the whole point of protest. So, you know, I, I was just trying to figure out where, if ever, it's okay under what level of grievance is it then okay to disrupt uh, civil society to make your point? Right. And so, and, and I, I mean, I get your question too. And I think, I think one reason why I think that we, we should not allow critical routes to be blocked like that in order for protesters to use, to make a political point is because your very question could be used against the people that are protesting. And what I'm trying to say originally is people are not allowed. You cannot, to me, it's immoral to make people sacrificial animals, right? Specific known individuals. Not specific known, but knowing that your actions will directly cause the death or have a high risk of causing death, right? Isn't that every train over 20 miles an hour? But it's not significant. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, like we don't when he when the train accelerates to sixty, he's not saying I'm going to kill somebody, <laughs> right? But he does. No, right? he statistically it's possible, and some of it's not and even every, his fault. I mean, he could be going sixty, he could be following all the rules, and then somebody is like, "Oh, I'm going to go around these gates at the crossing." Yeah, whoever's fault it is. If yeah. the train hadn't been going that fast, they wouldn't have died. Yeah, or if it was going faster, they wouldn't have died technically. Because they would have been there sooner. But my point is that, um, <laughs> you know, if you're asking the question, at what point can you elevate things? I, I think that one thing that's the problem with our society right now is that we are continually asking that question. And we're willing to offer people as sacrifices. And people can be very violent when it comes to not being made a sacrifice, depending on the situation. And one reason why I thought that it was reckless for local officials to not clear the bridge, because I can only imagine if someone like Kelly or you or anybody I know and love and care about was the one that was sitting, waiting for the bridge to be cleared up, I might give them one warning. And after I gave them that one fucking warning, I would go get a fucking snowplow and say, I'm coming down this fucking road right before this ambulance and you better be off of it. Or I'd go get myself some, some spray, and I would clear the bridge myself. And, and I, I think that people need to realize that if you just continuously ask that question of to what extent can you go, it might depend very much so on what specific thing that you're causing. If you're, if you're blocking the bridge and you're taking the life of a husband or a wife or a child... And you're knowingly doing that. And someone says, can you get off the road so I can get my child to a hospital? And they say, no, we're trying to make it to where everybody pays a price. I'm going to say, fuck you. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to elevate it. <laughs> and and if they're OK with that being on the bridge, then they're OK with that. I guess. I don't know. You I guess know, like say it. you got in the snowplow <laughs> and you said, get the fuck out. And you're yelling at them. Right. And you're like, get out of the way. I'm coming through. And you clear the bridge. But. You killed three people. Uh -huh. Oops. You warned them. 
but they're dead. Yeah. But now I'm alive because the ambulance made it to the hospital. Was that the right thing to do, to kill three people to get me to the hospital? Oh, I would say so, yeah. Because they were warned and they probably could have moved? The moral thing there, I would think, would be that it's okay for them to sacrifice themselves for a moral cause, but not somebody else. Uh. And I would say that they're sacrificing themselves for the moral cause that they believe in. And just like I would be sacrificing the rest of my life for the moral cause that I believe in, which so, would... So how would you feel about it? So those three people are dead. I'm I alive. Would how would you feel I'd, about it? I'd willingly go to jail for it. Oh, you think you should go to jail? Oh, I think I should, yeah. Oh, you well, think be- you should go to jail? I think I should. You didn't do the right thing? I think I did the right thing. Why should you go to jail if you did the right thing? Who was the one that said uh, sometimes doing the right thing isn't doing the right thing? <laughs> Who said that? I don't know. Mizzy! It probably wasn't a logic professor. <laughs> so, and that's it, too. You know, like the society, society itself can't have a law where it says, okay, if someone's blocking a road and you need to get across it because you need to get somebody to the hospital, it's legally okay for you to run everybody over with a snowplow. I get that. I admit that. Yeah, I think, I think that's one of the conclusions I came to on torture. I think one of the conclusions I came to was, look, it's not legal to torture people, but maybe it's the right thing to do sometimes. And if you saved 100 people with bomb from a, from a bomb blast or a million people from a bomb blast, Mizzy. then that was the right thing to do. But if you were wrong, which you probably were. No. Well, he can't hear me anymore because he's oh. in the woods. Come on. Chasing the dog. You little dirt. Get down the hill. All right, dude. Let's go back home, buddy. Come on, Missy. Your dad's going to be home to take you to the vet soon. Oh. Come on, Missy. <laughs> These dogs. Come on, Alex. Let's go. This way. Drag him this way. Missy. Come on. All right, I got to take dude home before his vet appointment. Ah. So, did you want to take this and play with it, or should I just take it? And... Oh, you can you can take it. Okay. It's pretty cool. To... You just plug each unit into a computer, and it mounts like a drive. Do and I it's... just push the record button again, I guess? Yeah. Bye, podcast. Did you say goodbye to your podcast? Say goodbye to your podcast, listeners. I just... You want me to? Oh, goodbye. See you guys.